Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Listen, church, whether we realize it or not, there is a a demonic world that we can't avoid. Whether we embrace it, whether we understand it or not, there is a demonic world, and it's real, and we cannot be uninformed or uninterested. See, the Bible tells us, you guys know this, it says that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. And we must be aware, we, we must be aware of the warfare in order to win the battle. We, we have to understand this. Now, before we go on, let me recap what's been going on so you get a full understanding. Two weeks ago, Guys, we studied the miracles of Jesus. What did he do? If you recall, in the book of Matthew, the very first thing he did was heal a leper, right? A leper. A leprosy is a type of sin, and I love the fact that the very first miracle we see after being introduced to King Jesus was that of a leper, because Jesus came to set us free spiritually. Leprosy is a type of sin, and God... Uh, in his grace, sends his son to die on the cross so that we can be healed. You go, what does that mean? When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, guys, we're saved. We're saved. But then what happens is as we go through, guys, he says, not only does he heal the leper, but he heals the centurion's servant. And he shows us that he has power over distance. I don't have to be in the house to heal. And to me, that brought amazing comfort because when I'm hurting... I can call out to the Lord, and although I know Jesus is the right hand of God, looking down, he can still heal. Well, Pastor, he hasn't healed yet, but but he will. We need to keep on asking. We need to trust the Lord. What if he says no? We need to keep on trusting that the Lord is good. But I know he heals. And so then we moved, and we talked about how now that Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God to earth. You guys remember that Jesus, now the way Matthew writes, he says, I'm going to portray Jesus as the what? Do you remember? As Emmanuel, God with us, as the new Moses in authority and teaching. Okay, so so everybody has the mindset, it's like, oh, the new Moses. Because the Jewish people said, Moses, Moses is it, man. Listen, we have Father Abraham, but Moses, he's our guy. And and Matthew goes, no, no, this is the new Moses. And so he says, now, let me show you. Let me show you these stories of bringing God's kingdom to those that were hurting. So in your mind, you've got to go back to to where Jesus is, and you've got to understand that people are hurting. They're broken. They're, they're spiritually lost. They're, I mean, think about all of this up, right? Think about how, again, um, they had sickness, They had diseases, they had emotional trauma from growing up, whatever it might be. But I love the fact that the very same people that my Jesus ministered to is the same way that you and I can relate to him today. You have to. 
Because there's not a one of us that grew up and went, oh, I had the perfect childhood growing up. And I was, we've all had scars and we've all had emotions and we've all had things that we go, oh God, why did that happen? And sometimes we come to church and we have more questions that are not being answered. God, why? I don't understand. And then we study the word of God and he ministers to us in such a way where we go, yes, I understand God, I get it. I get it. And what I love, guys, and if you're taking note, guys, think about this. If Jesus healed them and moved them back then, why would he not want to do it today for us? You see, we get the picture of Jesus standing with his arms crossed and his brow furrowed going, hmm, no, not for you. And that's not God. God's going, the same people that were hurting when I walked the earth are here and they need, and they need healing. What do we need healing from? We, may, we need healing from mistakes that we've made. Things, consequences, uh, life-altering what? Life-altering mistakes. We need broken. I don't think there's a one of us, guys. I don't think there's a one of us that would, wouldn't want to go back to certain areas in our lives and say, I would change that. I did that. I'm, I can't believe I did that. So Jesus comes in and he's going to heal. He healed the leper. He healed the centurion servant. He's going to heal all those that are sick and have broken bodies and even those that are in danger. And Jesus heals or saves them by all these acts with grace and power. Got that? But today is just a little bit different. You go, how so? Well, there's a shift in the healings and miracles. Please understand um, the miracles that you see in the healings in Matthew are not chronological. Some of them are, like the leper and the centurion, one right after another, but then it changes. Matthew writes, it's, it might be a different day. It might be a week. We don't know, but they're not chronological. You understand that, okay? So you go, okay. But there's a shift. There's a shift. Why? Because today and next week, we're going to see that there's going to be what? There's going to be, con- these healings are going to be connected to the demonic realm. The demonic realm. Okay? And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, for the last, um, well, forever, really. But for the last two years, we've been dealing with something called COVID, right? SARS-2, COVID, COVID-19, coronavirus, all of that. And it's usually spread by germs. We understood that, okay? The moment it came out, what did we do? We closed down. We tried to sanitize everything. And we're just like, ah, right? And we're putting gallons of, of you know, of, of all of that on our heads and walking in like this. And we understand that. But what I want you to see is that it's not all, it, it, it's not just germs that can make us sick. Although germs make us sick, right? We do. As a matter of fact, I like the little sign that Nathalie made. She said, what does it say? She said, share Jesus, not germs, okay? So we don't do this. We don't go, <coughs> how you doing? Ah! Right? We don't do that. Or we don't go, ah-choo! Ah, I come here, brother. How are you? Good to see you. We don't share. We share Jesus. You guys with me? Okay. But something very interesting. I understand that germs make us sick. Uh, what happened? 
Well, here's what, here's what, a, here's what a normal life looks like in your life in these days, right? Uh, so-and-so has COVID. Was I around him? Was I around him? Did he sneeze on me? Was I around him? When, can I taste? Can I smell? I don't know. No, I'm good. I'm good. That's what we do, right? That's because we know that germs make us sick. But let me just say this, okay? And if you're taking note, it doesn't always, it's not always the case. You go, what do you mean? Sometimes, everybody say sometimes, as we'll learn today, in our spiritual battles, sometimes it's demonic. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that every time I'm sick, uh, it's a demon? That's not what I'm saying. That's why I said you say sometimes. Let's, well, let's look at the text. Sometimes when we get sick, it's demonic. Sometimes when there's a physical illness, it's demonic. Sometimes in a mental illness cake, a case, it's demonic. We're going to see even today, check this out, this is going to blow your mind, that Satan can even influence the weather. No. No, for real. This is what we're going to see. Okay, now let me just, let me just again point this out, okay? Because I don't want anybody here leaving going, I knew it, I knew it, Satan's after me, I just knew it, I knew he's right behind that bus, I'm telling you. No. But sometimes in the context, you're going to look back at your life and go, I get it. I see. And my, God, my job here is to help us to recognize the demonic influence in our lives. Okay? This is what we need to do. Now, here's what you need to remember. Satan cannot do anything that God does not allow him to do. You understand that, okay? So we don't have to run around and be concerned that behind every corner there's a demon waiting to attack us. Everybody got that? Give me an amen if you understand that. But it's important that you understand. And at Calvary Chapel, we're a Bible-teaching church, and we want to help you. And I want you to see, and I want you to recognize. Now, you go, Ben, why is this important? Well, here's why. Did you know, number one, that many people don't believe in the demonic realm? As a matter of fact, unbelievers say there's no such thing as demons. Now, let me say this. If you don't believe in the demonic realm, you've already lost the battle. You've already lost the battle. Now, why do I say that? Because in the word of God, Jesus, guys, is going to confront the demonic realm. He's going to talk about that. He's going to, he's going to talk to the demonic realm. He's even going to rebuke the demonic realm. So it's important so we understand that. We go, okay, okay. I believe it, Ben. I believe. I be yeah, 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 yeah. As a matter of fact, um, just the other day, I was driving to work, and the, this, this, the demon came out of everything and gave me a flat tire. No, you ran over a nail. No, no, it's the demon of, of tires. No, you ran over a nail. There, you understand that. But there are times when it is very demonic. So another question concerning demons is a lot of people will ask, if demons are real, where did they come from? If demons are real, where did they come from? Now, that's a great question. Here's what you need to know. These are fallen angels. These are fallen angels. Let me explain. Demons, guys, are mentioned a numerous times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, it refers to them directly as demons three times. 
evil spirits eight times, okay? And sometimes even more obscure, like in Daniel chapter 10, where it calls him the prince of the power, uh, whatever it might be, the prince of Persia. The New Testament, guys, uh, mentions demons more times, calling them either demons or evil spirits. They're mentioned over 80 times, over 80 times. Adding to Scripture... Demons were originally created as angels and existed part of God's angelic army. However, when Satan rebelled against God, one-third of the angels, one-third of the angelic host, joined Satan in that revolt. One-third. Now, what happened is that, again... Satan and his angels were cast down to earth. Some of them, in our text in Revelation, some of them are actually evil beyond that they're in the abyss, if you will. They're, being, they're, they're awaiting for the time when the tribulation happens. But for the majority of them, they're on the earth. You understand that? The, these are fallen angels. Okay? The scripture refers to them as demons. You're going, okay, okay. Here's what I need you to understand. They're not ghosts. They're not ghosts. As a matter of fact, the kids have an app called Ghost App. I don't know if you know this. And a ghost app on their phone, I think you pay $3.99 or something, and it's supposed to show you where ghosts are in the building that you're in. And the kids are like, oh, look, they're over there. Ah! And they all run. And, and this is an app. I don't have it on my phone, but this is an app. Listen, these are, they're not ghosts. Do you know what they are? They're demons. Please understand that. There's not goblins. Okay? There's not, I see dead people. They're not dead people. Understand, these are demons that will manifest in every way, shape, or form. Please understand that. This is what's going on in the world. They are real beings on the earth, but here's the thing. They're waiting their judgment. They're waiting their judgment. Listen, they know their fate. That's why they often said to Jesus, please don't cast us into, don't, can we go into the pigs? They know their fate. They're waiting judgment. But they're aligned with Satan to try to stumble, to try to dissuade, to try to depress. They're trying to do all of these things in our walks with God. So there is a spiritual battle going on in your life. You understand that. That's why when we go, hey, how many of you want to give your life to Jesus? You better understand the cost because when you get saved, you are in a spiritual battle. Immediately. When you step into ministry, there is a huge spiritual battle. Which I don't understand people who go, hey, I want to be a pastor. Really? Because you're going to put a big red uh, target right here. Who wants this? But then God says, but that's what I've called you to. That's what I've called you to. Okay, Lord, but you're going to have to protect me because, because there's a spiritual battle going on. There's a spiritual battle going on for your children. 
There's a spiritual battle going on for your marriage. There's a spiritual battle, okay? And, and sometimes it's your own choice. Can I get an amen? And sometimes it's demonic. And you go, whoa, how do I recognize this? Well, before we move on, let me give you another important question. Because I think this is a question that people ask. Hey, Ben, can demons possess a Christian? Can they possess a fully devoted follower of God? The answer is no. So a Christian can't come and go, I think I'm demon-possessed. I think I got the... No, 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 no. Let me tell you what they can do. Guys, we can be oppressed by them. We can be harassed by them, but they cannot possess a believer. A real simple answer is... When you became a Christian, when you fully gave your life to Jesus, he came in and took up residence in your life. And demons cannot come in and kick Jesus out of his home. You understand that? So Christians go, ah, I just... I just have this, this, this evil possession in me. Sometimes I just, I want to choke my kids or whatever it might be. That's not, no. That's you. That's you. Now, the purpose of teaching is for you to recognize, you guys ready? That you are in a spiritual battle every day. When I lead people to Jesus, I often tell them, you're changing teams. You understand that. You're changing teams. You were once part of, of just going in the world and the demonic realm, and Satan left you alone because you are already part of his team. But when you switch teams and you come over, it's on. He starts to recognize that, uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, he can't do anything to keep you from heaven, but he can make life very, very rough. And he can present choices before us that can what? That can hinder our walks with God. And he wants us, guys, God wants us to grow, to recognize, no, 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 I understand. That's not going to edify. I'm going to follow Jesus. But the enemy wants to go, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That's what I'm going to do. There are times in our walks when we will be under demonic attack. Okay? And then there are times in our lives, okay, that it's just simply the world. Understand that. Recognize that. You go, what do you mean? Okay. Let's just say that you spilled your milk, okay? You went to have lunch, and you wanted milk, and you spilled it, okay? That doesn't mean there's the demon of dairy. You understand that? Well, I just, he was after me, spilled my milk. Okay? That's not what it means. Like, let me give, let me illustrate it this way. Okay? Let me illustrate it this way. Every morning, I would come home from the gym and I would make a protein shake. Okay? And I put the protein and I put the milk and I put all that, right? Blend it all up. And, and, and Talia will remember this, but there was one time that I put the cup right there and somehow, with my clumsiness, I knocked over the protein shake. And you're, you're looking at me like, you know. And none of it had fallen to the floor, and the counter was still good, so I just got a straw, and I started just uh, eating, drinking my protein shake. 
that's not a demon of protein. You understand that, okay? That was my clumsiness. And, and the other illustration I thought of, and I think Sophie and Yvonne will get a kick out of this, is that we were in Dallas, okay? And we were driving from a conference, and we were coming over to the toll station. Okay, you had to put four quarters in. Simple task, right? So Nathalie gives me four quarters, and her very next words to me were, don't drop these. To which I just went, and they all dropped into the floor outside. And Yvonne and Soph are laughing so hard. There wasn't a demon of, of the toll. You understand that, right? That was just my clumsiness. Everybody understands, right? There's just stuff. There's just stuff. But on a more serious note, there are times when it is demonic. And we have to recognize it. Hey, this is a demon, or there's demon activity attached to it. And we could recognize patterns. And you guys say, like what? Try again. Like what? Exactly. Well, some of them, they're physical patterns. Anybody ever notice this? Physical patterns. Now, I'm not saying this happens all the time, nor am I making um, light of your aches and pains. But I'll tell you what happens. I know firsthand that if there's ever a physical ailment, it's going to be either Sunday morning or Wednesday night. When we're about to have Bible study, I'm telling you right now, more people, you guys can attest to this, I am usually hurting on Wednesday night. What's the matter? My back is out. I could have went to the chiropractor that morning, and Wednesday night, I'm holding onto the pulpit like this. It all, it never fails. It never fails. It doesn't happen Thursday. It doesn't happen Friday. It always seems. And, and again, guys, think about this. I'll never forget this. There will be times when I will be getting ready to preach at another, say, Amarillo, for instance. And Saturday night, I'm getting the car ready, and all of a sudden, I'll tweak my back. And I'm just like, every time, every time. Now, you guys know this. You could be fine Monday. You could be fine Tuesday. Wednesday morning, guess what happens? Okay, it's church tonight. Doesn't it seem like Wednesday, everything breaks loose? I mean, whether you're not feeling well or, or the job that you were supposed to be done by four is now taking three extra hours. It just seems like, right? I think a lot of that, guys, we should recognize as demonic activity. I really believe that based upon our text, based upon what Jesus is going to tell us. Why? Well, here's what we should do. If you ever find yourself, I think there needs to be a righteous rebellion. You go, what do you mean? Where you go, listen, I know I'm hurting, but I'm, you know what? I'm going to church. I'm going to Bible study. I'm going to do this. I've got to do this. Because what I found is the moment you get here, you go, man, it's gone. It's gone. I feel good. Wow. Wow. And you get fed the word of God. But let me say this to you too. Let me say this to you. It's not only you coming and sitting and being fed. Can I get an amen? It's you ministering to other people. You don't realize that. God, in his amazing way, has developed a church to where he says, I'm going to use and employ everyone to edify the church. Sure, the teaching of the word of God is important, but sometimes when you're talking to somebody out in the foyer and you're just, you're explaining, and somebody loves and hugs on you and ministers to you, you go, but if you weren't here... You rip off the body of Christ. You understand that. 
It's not me. I can't do it all. And sometimes God needs you to minister to somebody here. It's so amazing. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. You, we need to understand. But what happens is that as you get ready to come Wednesday night, oh, 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 oh. Now, again, I know we all have aches and pains. And there's some that it's just aches and pains because we're getting old, okay? We're just... But a lot of times, it could be this. Well, how so, Ben? Well, let me show you. Let me show you. Let me, let me show you on the text, okay? So we have the kingdom come into the world, and the issue is demonic. Look how Jesus is going to deal with it, guys. Matthew chapter 8, 14 and 15. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house... He saw his wife's mother laying sick with fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Wow, that's it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an amazing uh, applicational point here in these verses, and I'm going to get to them in just a moment. But here's the thing. In the text, Matthew decides to write, Peter was married. You understand that? People go, oh, Peter. Yeah, oh, I thought he was the first pope, and popes weren't supposed to be married. No, Peter was married, and he had a mother-in-law. Jesus comes into that house. Now, if you go to Israel today, the actual house is still there. We have seen it. You can go up. You can look down. This is probably the very same house. It gives you chills knowing that this is Peter's house, right by the Sea of Galilee, right here with the synagogue not too far off. Do you remember that? Okay, in your mind, you're already there. You're already there. You know what I'm talking about. Now, Peter comes in, and he heals his mother-in-law. And I've heard preacher after preacher going, why did Jesus heal my mother-in-law? You know, let her go. I mean, but if my mother-in-law is listening to this, I love you, Mom. I was good to see you this week. And uh, anyway, because she likes to listen to it later on. But this is actually demonic. Where did you get that? Well, in order to understand our text, guys, in order, I have to draw it out here. We have to understand this is demonic. We have to go to Luke's teaching, okay? So hold your finger here in Matthew. We'll come back to it. Go over to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, let me show you, okay? Picking up our story, here's what Luke writes. Same story, verse 31. Are you there? Say amen. Okay, we're there. And it says, And Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. Okay, it's a brand new day. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Okay, your attention, please. This is a brand new day. Okay, Jesus goes into the synagogue. Okay, we have walked in the ruins of that synagogue. Now, understand, if you go to Israel, it's, again, like I said the other night, I said it's like drinking water from a fire hose. It's just so much. But you're actually in this synagogue, in the ruins of it. Jesus would have come in. He would have said, as as he brought the teaching in the synagogue, 
this demon would have cried out. And that's usually what happens, guys. Jesus, who is the light, exposes the darkness, and the demons cry out. And what are they saying? Well, they remember they're waiting their judgment. That's coming. So they say, let us alone. What, what do you have to do, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? And notice what the demons say. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Demons know who Jesus is. They know the power Jesus has. That's why they're freaked out. Oh, what are you doing? Did you come to destroy us? Ah, Jesus says, notice what he says. Look what it says in verse 35. But Jesus what? Rebuked him. You underline that in your Bible. Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the middle, in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Can you imagine? This is going on in church. Hey, baby, how was church today? I wasn't feeling good. It was crazy, man. Jesus was preaching. This dude comes out, starts screaming. And Jesus like, shut up, get out, threw him down. It was a crazy day at church. It was all good. Let's go eat. Can you imagine? This is church. This is church. This is what's going on. Now, understand the context. Straight after church, straight after casting the demon out. Everybody see that? Notice what happens next. Look at verse 36. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What word is this? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went through every place in the surrounding region. Can you imagine? They're just so amazed. They even understand and recognize that that was a demon. They're like, did you see that? Now, we have information in real time, right? We can Facebook it. We can Instagram. We can just do whatever. We can text people. Did you see what's going on? I mean, I don't know how they did it, but I know that word spread very quickly. Very quickly. Could you happen in a church? Did you see what happened? Oh, my goodness. What happened? Jesus. You know Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah. This dude, he was preaching in the, and he was like, ah, and it was just crazy. And, and, and I mean, he's, he just cast him out. He had power and authority. This is crazy. Who? Jesus. And then it starts to spread. All over the region. All over the region. Well, what happens? Okay. So in Matthew, not getting ahead of myself, but the people are starting to hear what's going on in Capernaum. <gasps> Did you hear? Now, when church is over, look at verse 38, guys. Look at verse 38 in Luke. You with me? And when he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's house is literally about from here to the street, not if even that far. It's not very far. So he goes home from church. He's like, okay, church is over. And he just literally walks down. It's not even that far, is it? It's, not, it's about oh, maybe from here to, the, to where the lights are, right? Right outside. Not very far at all. And Simon's wife, here we go. Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning her. Hey, Jesus, can you come? So notice, verse 39, this is what's key. So he stood over her and he, what's that word? Rebuked the fever. Matthew didn't say that. 
Matthew just said that, that he, he touched her. No, no. Luke says he rebuked the fever and immediately she arose and served him. Okay, so here's where we got to chat. Okay, everybody say context. You understand the context, okay? Jesus goes into Peter's house. He finds his mother-in-law sick with a fever. But he, and you've got to underline this in your Bible, rebuked the fever. And you go, well, why is that important? It's important because Jesus never rebuked sickness. He never rebuked sickness. He always heals sickness. He always speaks to it. Be healed. Remember the leper? Be healed. Spoke over distance. Be healed. Now he's rebuked. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, so what does that mean? Jesus often rebuked beings. We see that in the context earlier. Get out of him. Ah. So the text seems to indicate this is a demonically induced fever. Sometimes, okay, everybody with me? Sometimes they can be demonically induced. Sometimes. Jesus wants us to recognize this, okay? So let me say this before you walk out of here going, oh my gosh, not every fever or cough is demonically induced. But in the context, this one was, and Jesus wants us to learn the lesson. We saw that he rebuked the devil with authority and power in the synagogue. And then he goes to Peter's house, and he sees this, and he rebukes the fever. We have that same authority. And the lesson is, the Lord wants us to remind it, with the Holy Spirit living in us and Jesus, we have that same authority and power in our lives. Oh, no, no, don't misread. I'm not saying that we go around casting and rebuking and, well, let me tell you, bring them here. And I'll, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in your own life, when you can see things happening with righteous rebellion, you can say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to church. I'm going to Bible study. I'm going to have my quiet time this morning. No, 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 no. I love Jesus. The Bible tells us that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us, but we must resist him with that righteous rebellion going, no. No. This is what he's... Sometimes it is. And you right now, all of you guys are, are, are in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, I can pinpoint a time when it's like, I was getting ready for church and, and I got depressed. I got really down. I don't know why. I got really... I just... I didn't want to go. I was, and then I came and I was like, oh, I'm so glad I came because I just felt the Spirit wash me clean. Making sense, guys? Making sense here? Okay? So he rebukes. And I could imagine. We just came from church where he just cast out a demon. I bet that demon just went and is really trying to thwart the ministry of Jesus. Why? Because he says, I know who you are. You're God. You're God. Guys, we, sh- we should know who Jesus is. And all his greatness and glory and power and authority, because that's the same that we should have in our lives. With God's grace and compassion in our lives, we should know that there are things in our lives that we go, no, that's, that's trying to dissuade me from a walk with God, not, not lift me up. 
with all authority and power in our lives, we should know, okay, I understand what's going on, and uh, I recognize it. I tell every person who wants to be in leadership here, you will be under attack. You have to recognize that. You have to recognize that the enemy wants to destroy you. It wants to destroy your marriage. It wants to destroy your kids. That's why the Lord says it's a calling to be a pastor, not just something you want to do. You have to be. It has to be this unquenchable, oh, my gosh, there's nothing else I can do. Week after week after week, I stand before you here teaching you the word of God. And I'm not afraid of no demon or devil. Or I understand that. It, they come. They come in waves. And there are times in my life where I'm sitting, I feel like I'm sitting in, in, in my recliner, crawled up like a, in the fetal position, just crying out to God, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. There are times when I say, I'm out. I'm done, Lord. I don't want to do this. Let me just get a job. I'll just mind my own business and I'll go to heaven. And the Lord says, really, what are you going to do? And I say, you're right, Lord. It's fire shut up in my bones. That's all I can do is teach and love on people. But it's a calling. It's not something, guys, that, I, that, that you aspire to. It's not something you go, hey, I think I'm going to, as a career, I think I'll choose being attacked every day. I think as a career, I choose being. That's not what we do. We go, Lord, I trust you. Context, Matthew tells us he rebuked. Let's go back to Matthew, verse 15. And he touched her hand, I love this, and the fever left. Notice what she says. And she arose and served them. This is a great application for us. Great application. Why, guys? Peter's mother-in-law, fever's gone, and she got up and served them. This is a great biblical principle. You go, Ben, what do you mean? Guys, when we've been touched by Jesus to heal, to save, to walk with, a beautiful reaction is to simply serve. When you've been touched by God and you know your heart has been transformed, guys, this, is, this should be the natural reaction. What do you want me to do? Where, where can I serve? And see, a lot of people, they'll go, no, well, you know, I mean, how? How do I serve? Here, here, you ready? Look for and find a need and serve. What do you need? I'll do it. I'm going to use me as an example. The problem is, is we look at ourselves and go, oh, well, that's not what I really want to do. That's not where I'm really gifted in. And then we don't serve, but we have to meet a need. We have to meet a need. And, and, and that's because I'm touched by Jesus. But after pastoring for 18 years, you know how many people go, hey, we have a need. Oh, well, I'm not really good with children. I don't like them. Okay, well, you don't have to do children. How about, how about maybe you help clean the church? Oh, I don't like toilets either. And, and okay, uh, well, I don't know. We have lots of needs. Do you want to you come in and, and, and get the communion stuff ready or maybe make the cups for, the, for, for communion? Or, or have, Well, no, I don't. You know, I mean, and, and again, guys, we're so focused in ourselves that we don't realize that Jesus just touched her and she got up and served. 
It's one thing, church, to come in and sit down and be fed the word of God. But what we do with that, we go, okay, okay, where can I serve? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, I'm not really gifted in that. We'll do it for a moment. Do it for a season. Find your gifting and imagine how you'll bless the body. Find your gifting. But what if your gifting is just to be a super positive encourager? And you're not here. Well, the story continues, guys. Uh, Remember the context. Um, Here's what I want you to see. I want you to recognize, be ready. Look at verse 16. He said, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits uh, with the word, and he healed all those who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our witnesses. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that day? He just comes from church. He goes home, and there's, there's Peter's... You know, wife, there's his mother-in-law. Hey, I rebuke you, get up. All of a sudden, so he looks out the door, and there's a, there's a line. There's a line of people demon-possessed, right? Bunch of demons waiting to be cast out. That would be an interesting sight, wouldn't it? He's looking out and just going, whoa. Think, look, look what it said. They brought him many who were demon-possessed. Now, the closest I've ever seen to that is sometimes when I'm at a restaurant and there's a bunch of demon-possessed people ready to get the table. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, that's my table! And then you're just like, okay, calm down. It's all right. Go, go ahead. We'll, <laughs> we'll wait. But Jesus does something very interesting. And this is why we have context. What does he do? All night, guys, he heals them. But what does he say? He not only heals those that are demon-possessed, but he also just heals those that are sick. He heals those that are sick. And again, the report went out, and, and as a result, guess what? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You have a loved one at home that's sick. You have a loved one that's, that's hurting, that's broken, that's even demon-possessed. You could tell something's not right. Come on, you got to come. Let's go, let's go. Where are we going? We're going to Capernaum. Why are we going to Capernaum? There's a man there. His name is Jesus, and he's doing amazing things. Come on. And he brings them, and then you're standing there, and you're waiting, and you don't care how long it'll take. Because this is family, this is friend, I want to see them saved. And then he, and he come up and go, Jesus, this is, this is my friend, and, or this is my daughter, this is my... And Jesus goes, come on out of him. And he's, and he's healed, he's saved. <gasps> or he says, what's the matter? And you go, well, I've had, I've had a chronic pain for... Oh. And Jesus says, be healed. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. But the point is, he says, but the prophet Isaiah spoke. He said what? He said he took his infirmities and bore it. That's why we pray today. People go, well, pastor, will you pray? I will always pray Isaiah right away. And he took our infirmities. This means I can pray for your healing right now. And I pray for the faith to believe that you will be healed. That you will be healed. You will be healed emotionally of the things that happened to you when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when you were a young adult, you will be healed from that. And God will, you will be healed from from the brokenness or even physical pain. That's how we pray. Please, please, please think about this. Many times when people ask for healing, they don't feel worthy to be healed. 
I know God will do it. I just don't know if he'll do it for me. None of these people that were brought to Jesus probably ever felt worthy. None of them were going, well, you know, I don't think I'm, I don't know. They just came hoping to see the one that can do it. Well, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you're here today and you need healing, just ask him. God, I need healing. I need to be healed. I need to be healed. Verse 18, and when Jesus saw a great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. He told his disciples, okay? So Jesus sees a bunch of people. Now remember, uh, Adam and Tiffany know there's the synagogue, there's the house, and then the Sea of Galilee is right there. So he tells his disciples, go, go to the other side, okay? And then notice verse 19, a certain scribe came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. Well, it says, then another one of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, what happens is Matthew writes two stories within what's going on. You understand, okay? He says a scribe comes to him. Very, very important. This is one who wrote all the history down. And he says, teacher, 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 look what's going on. This is amazing. I want to, I want to, I want to be part of this ministry. I will go wherever you go. And what we see is that with the scribe, you ready? Jot this down. This is all about emotion. This is all about emotion. You see, the man hears, he sees, and he's emotional and he, and he runs to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand. I have nowhere to live. Are you sure you want to do this? But here's what, point, here's, here's what jumps out at me at the text, guys. I realize that emotion will never get you to the finish line. Emotion. I have had people in these chairs emotionally break down and cry. And I'm talking men, ugly cry. You know what, you, you know what it is for a man to have an ugly cry? With snot coming down and everything. Oh, and I'm just like, okay, we're praying. This is weird. I'm used to women having ugly cry. I get that. But men, it's just really freaked me out. But they'll sit in this chair and they'll be just ugly cry. And emotionally, we'll say, hey, you know what? Jesus is the only way. I've always given that same answer. Jesus is the only way. And well, I'm okay. okay. And, and then and they'll be good. And they'll be, wow, okay, wow, Jesus is doing the work. Until things are better and they're not emotionally broken anymore, and then they go back to their old ways. Emotion doesn't get us to the finish line. It doesn't. I love the fact that people go, listen, you're hurting, you're broken, life is messed up, come to church. Come, come see what Jesus did. But we have to be careful that it's not an emotional response to the gospel. Because a lot of times it's like, hey, well, this, Jesus said... You're going, you're going to be attacked. You're, you know what? Your friends are going to leave you and you're not da 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 da. Do you want to, you still want to follow me? And they, they do for a little bit and then they go back and it breaks our hearts. We're like, oh. And this is where we get the point where it's like, well, I didn't, were they ever really saved or that's emotion. Now, the second one, guys, it says one of his disciples, not one of the 12, understand that, but one of his guys was coming, like a disciple. And here's what he says. He says, hey, guys, let me, let me first go. Let me go bury who? Let me bury my father. Well, you need to understand, this seems harsh. It's not harsh. 
Why? Because his father wasn't dying. Okay? His father wasn't dying. It, it was just a phrase they used to say, hey, wait, 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 wait until my father dies. Could be 20, could be 30 years. Let me take care of my family. Then I'll come follow you. Well, here's the thing, guys, and you need to see this. Look at it, look at it again. I want you to see verse 21. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, what does it say? Let me first go. You go, why is that important? Because a disciple never says, let me first. A disciple always says, Jesus first. And so Jesus says, okay, well, how about this? How about you let the the dead bury the dead and you come and follow me? Listen, what Jesus is telling us, guys, is that we are to honor our father and mother, but not above Jesus. We're to love our family, but not above God. Because what we do, and you can look at it here, okay, is we can take something so beautiful, very good. I love my father. I love my mother. Everybody knows that. We say that. But we cannot make it ultimate. Because if we make it ultimate, then we make it an idol. So key. So key. Okay? So he says, listen, you follow me. I have to be number one. And then this will take care of itself. Anything, jot this down, anything that we make ultimate besides God is an idol. Our marriage, our kids, our parents, our jobs, anything is an idol. Now, Jesus tells him very lovingly. He said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. The importance of, if you will, understanding the text. Because if you just read it, then it's like, wow, Jesus is really harsh. He's like, I don't care who, I don't care if your dad's going to die. You come and follow me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, so he's dealing with a scribe who's real emotional, hasn't made a, hasn't made a heart commitment, and now he's dealing with who? He's dealing with somebody who's taking something very good and making it ultimate, and it's really, really important that we follow Jesus. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. So what's our goal? Our goal is to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things are super cool. All these good things. All these good things. Now, before we close, okay, we're going to close with verses 23 through 27, but let me give you some encouragement, okay? Jesus says to them, here's what he says, and when he saw a great multitude about him, he gave the command, who is he commanding? His disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side, okay? Next week, we are going to see, guys, that there's a huge storm. Well, actually, we're going to see it in just a minute. My bad. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Okay? And we're going to see that Jesus is eventually going to minister. He's going to get in the boat. But when the storm comes, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. And you go, well, what's the encouragement? Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Jesus knew that there was a storm going to come. or He just knew. He just knew. You go, well, what's the encouragement? Well, I want you today to stand on the promises of God.
you go, what's that? That you are going to make it through. You are going to make it through. Okay? If Jesus said we're going to the other side, you're going to make it to the other side. You need to stand on that. Some of us might make it through crawling. Some of us might make it running. But I love the promise that Jesus says. He says, guys, guess what? We're going to go to the other side. Well, what happens? Well, let's see. Look at verse 23. Now, when he had got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly, okay, a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered in waves. But Jesus was asleep. Notice what his disciples do. They were real men of faith. Okay, they were real men of faith. The disciples woke him up and said, Lord, save us. We're perishing. Right? You see that? Wow. You go, Ben, that's not faith at all. No, it's, it's not faith at all. But I love the fact that they're exactly where we are at times. You go, what do you mean? We've been walking with Jesus a long time. And there are times where we're like, God, where are you? And we actually come to church with more questions than we have answers for. But think about it. You go, but wait a minute, context, what are you saying? Well, think about this. What does Jesus do? Verse 26, he wakes up, right? And he says, why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. That's not what I want Jesus to say of me. Then he arose, and what's the word? Rebuke, there it is again. Okay, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Why is that important? Okay, here's why. Because Jesus just rebuked the weather, and the word here indicates that it was a demonic-influenced storm. Now, in the Sea of Galilee, yes, because there's higher mountains and it's in the valley and it's below sea level, it can, there are times that the wind comes in and it could, it, it could turn a storm into, I mean, just a raging storm. We've seen that before. But here, because of the wording, he says he rebuked. He rebuked. Now, see, see, the word rebuked here is the word to ensure, basically to censure. To severely censure is what the word means. Have you ever heard, like in Congress, when somebody does something really wrong, they all vote to censure him? And uh, basically, here's what they're doing. They're basically saying to the congressman, you're out of order. Um, it's a public rebuke, right? It's a public rebuke of a person to censure somebody in Congress. That's the word used here. It's the same word. Jesus is what? Jesus is rebuking the enemy. He's rebuking the person behind the storm. That's what he is doing. How do we recognize this, guys? We recognize, okay, first and foremost, here's what we recognize. We recognize really, really simple. That there is demonic influence in our lives. There are spiritual attacks when you are part of the body of Christ. They are. That's why it breaks our heart when we say if Christianity was so easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not. But greater is he that was within us than he that's in the world. So we keep moving forward. 
Think about this for just a moment. The enemy does not want, what's the one thing the enemy doesn't want? And I can probably, we could probably ask next week, how many of you on Sunday woke up and you were not feeling good or, you you know, something happened, the car got a flat tire, whatever it might be, so that they would not hear this message? How many? I wonder. I wonder how many would go, oh, wow, that's something I really needed to hear. But Jesus said to you and to me, we're going to make it to the other side. He got in the boat. He was asleep. And the disciples are freaking out. How do we recognize this? Well, first of all, we don't dwell on it, but we know that there are spiritual attacks in our lives. Spiritual attacks come. Sometimes our aches and our pains, they might just be that we're getting old. And sometimes they might be the enemy trying to keep you from a message that you needed to hear. Sometimes, guys, sometimes the application for us in our text today is that, is that we need to be serving. We need to be serving. Jesus has touched us. What can we do to serve? How can we help? And see, part of the serving, if you recall, is that he's gifted you here to be here. Oh, Pastor, I don't do anything but just press buttons and I'm just a PowerPoint person or I'm just a sound guy or I'm just a... God meshes you and He brings you and He says, Hey, 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 this person needs you. This person needs you. And you go, I didn't do anything but listen. Exactly. Exactly. This past Friday, two days ago, I attended the funeral of my friend, Pete, his daughter. We were praying for his family. She was 36 years old, and through a string of events of COVID and so forth, she went to be with the Lord. And when I went through where my friend Pete and his wife and the family were, the only thing I could tell him was I loved him. What else are we going to say? Well, let me tell you what I think about COVID. And I think it doesn't matter. What matters is that his little girl is gone. And the way we serve people is sometimes you just go and say, I love you. I love you. Another way... It's a beautiful wedding we had yesterday for Casey and Mary. How do you serve? We just serve by loving them. Yes, we rejoice with you. And we have, and we, and we, I was. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. I'll tell you why. Because I went from a funeral of being brokenhearted to a celebration of being, of a wedding. All the emotions that go with that, all the time. We pray for your pastors. You know what? October is Pastor Appreciation Month, but we should appreciate our pastors all the time. I appreciate my pastor. 
I don't text Bill Gem all the time, but I know if I needed him today, he would be there. And I hope you feel that same way. We may not text all the time, but if you needed me, I would be there for you. I know so would. We appreciate our pastors. We recognize what's an attack. And I can pretty much say anything that wants to keep you away from this is probably an attack. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You'll get up early in the morning. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to study the Word. I'm going to study the Word. But you get up early in the morning, you get, and all of a sudden your phone's ringing. Boss is calling you at 6.30 in the morning. Never called you before. I mean, kids are up, right? For some reason, when you're going to have quiet time and you have little ones, they'll wake up at 5.30. What are you doing? You want to play? You're like, okay. You got to be, you got to be mama. You got to be daddy. Last but not least, guys, trust the Lord today that he's going to get you to the other side. Put your faith and trust in him. That's the gospel message. Let me just say this. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And when we open up our heart, we say, come inside. I give you my life. Then he does that work. Amen? Father, we thank you today for your word, the truth, God, in your word. And we thank you for all that you're doing this morning. Father, you are so good to us, so beautiful to us. And I don't know who's watching online and I don't know who's listening by podcast, but maybe there's somebody here that doesn't know you in a real and intimate way. Maybe they've been brought up all their lives, God, with religion and, and different aspects of who you are, but they've never fully surrendered their lives to you. And I never want to leave a gathering without giving anyone an opportunity to surrender to you. And many, Lord, like that were in our text today, many that were hurting and broken and lost and sick, need you. And so I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would do the work that it came to do, that he came to do, and bring many to Christ. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to know that God is God and that I'll be with him forever. Would you pray for me? If that's you today and God is moving in your heart, would you just lift up your hand? Nobody will see you. God will see you. Just go, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you do that today? Is there anyone that would say, I'll do that. I'll do that, Ben. I want, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to take control completely. Now, you may be watching online and lifting up your hand, and God sees you. But if there's anyone here, I want to pray with you. Lord, I thank you for your great love for us. In Jesus' name. 
We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.